0: Amen. Well, let's let's go ahead and turn to the Lord and pray together this morning as we go to the word of God. Father, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you that your promises are sure, that they are true that they are immovable, that regardless of opposition, regardless of circumstances, regardless of our feelings, regardless of anything, they are solid and steadfast, as are you, our God. And so we come to you this morning in light of glorious promises, glorious truths from your word that you have given, O Lord. And we come in light of your sure promises and we come in light of our sure Lord, Jesus Christ. And we look to Him that He would be with us as even we know He is with us by His Spirit inside of us, those of us who know Jesus Christ. That Perhaps this morning, if there are some listening or here that feel overwhelmed, they are fearful, they are lost, they are just all over the place emotionally, wherever they are and whoever they are, may you help all of us this morning. May you help us that. You would lead us to your word. You would help us to hear your word, to receive your word, to consider your word, and that your word would be wholly taken in. And so whoever is here and whatever is going on, may all of us right now quiet our hearts and be ready to receive all your good word this morning. So be with us, be with me for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Right, well if you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, and specifically John chapter 6. So last week we began this chapter in wonder. In this especially noteworthy miracle here in the beginning verses of John chapter 6, we saw this miracle, but we also saw a miracle that is in all four Gospels, and so testifying to its importance. And so there we saw that Jesus, with only five loaves and two fish, he begins ex nilo, so out of nothing, making bread and fish, and giving it to upwards of 20,000 people. And so all this, you know, the crowd's, you know They hear all this, they see all this, they wonder at all this, and they take Jesus and they want to make Him their prophet, puppet, puppet, king. But Jesus would not be a people's pawn. He had a mission and has a mission and He is intent upon staying the course. And so He withdraws then, and this brings us then to our passage this morning here in John chapter 6 verse 16 through 21. And I will be reading here, beginning in verse 15, just to give a bit of context for us as we go into these verses. So, John chapter 6, verses 15 through 21. So, may God bless the reading of His inerrant, infallible, and sufficient Word. Perceiving then, that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. And the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately, the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now as we take... In these verses, we recognize that this isn't the only place in our Bibles that we find this account, this account of Jesus walking on the water. So unlike the feeding of the 5,000, where we saw it in all of the Gospels, the account here appears only in Matthew and in Mark as well, along with the Gospel of John as we are reading this morning. So we may glean much from all of these counts taken taken together you know even seeing and informing much of what we're reading here but even as we will do that in part this morning we need to also see these verses on their own so we need to recall that these words they were written by the apostle John and John he wrote this account yes because they really did happen but he also did that as he's uh, structuring the gospel, putting it together, and different themes are coming together. He's doing that very carefully with a very specific purpose. And so we need to read it, this account, on its own terms in view of John's overarching point or purpose that he gives. And we don't have to wonder about what that purpose is. He tells us in John Twenty thirty one that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. That is His purposes, purpose, as He is putting this together, as He's writing these things, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, all these things are coming together, and so we are to see this then on its own terms, even as we are mindful of the other gospel accounts as we take it in as well. In as we even just, in light of what we've seen and even just reading this, does this not bolster our faith all the more? Just just having witnessed the feeding of the 5,000 ex-Nilo out of nothing, now we behold here Jesus doing something no one has done, no one ever will do again in this world, in this age. Jesus walks On the water. Incredible. Wonderful. Astounding. Yet very, very credible as well. And so as at Jesus' bidding, as we see in the other Gospels, Jesus tells the disciples then here, and we can presume it, but we also know specifically from the other accounts, that Jesus, he tells the disciples to go ahead of him, And that is exactly what they do rightly here. They are listening and they trust Him and they follow Him to go across the Sea of Galilee. So here is where we begin seeing then our first point this morning. Seeing then their fears and ours. Their fears and ours. So the disciples, they set out on their voyage of five to six miles to travel uh, to Capernaum across the Sea of Galilee, and all is well there until the sea becomes rough with these uh, great uh, winds that come pouring in out of nowhere. It was calm when they began, and now these winds come in and they are great. So, 600 feet below sea level, the Sea of Galilee was so positioned that cool air would rush in and displace. The warm air, which would create quite the predicament for those that were on the seas. Even to this day, people are told to stay their boats in the midst of storms or high winds because of just how drastic and how great the waves could be moved and about. So when the disciples departed, though, that wasn't the case. You know, everything was calm, but now they are in the midst of of all of these things. So we're told they rode some three to four miles, surely, you know, exerting exerting all kinds of blood, sweat, and tears, yet they still had another two or three miles to go as they're rowing about and even perhaps being blown about by the winds as they're going. And so they're getting pushed out into the sea and not even perhaps going in the direction they initially were hoping to. And so it's a mess for them. You know, recently Megan and I we have been watching a TV series called Alone. I don't know if any of you know that show or not, but it begins with 10 people, you know, placed out in the wilderness and they must use their skills and their knowledge to survive. And so they pretty much are roughing it, having to hunt for their food, you know, building their own shelters and enduring the harsh elements. So, of the heat, of the cold, of predators that may be out there as well. And so, they are enduring all these things. And uh, and so, as they're enduring these things, as the show progresses, it becomes apparent that the reality of trying to survive alone for an extended period of time is much different than the expectation. Now, these people, men and women, they are very knowledgeable on surviving alone. Yet, as they come into this situation by themselves having to deal with these things, some cannot handle it mentally, and so they just give up being by themselves. Others, you know, accidentally hurt themselves, and they can't continue. Well, here, the disciples, they were not watching, they were not reading about someone else experiencing these things. You know, as we, we read this, we can perhaps even read it in a detached way, kind of forgetting that they were really going through these things. They were really experiencing the waves rising and falling and the winds, the the strong winds assailing upon them. And so they were really facing these things. And, they're, and they were perhaps a lot different than expectation. And their relatively small boat would have quite the difficulty in these very real and very turbulent waters. So then as water sprinkles over them, they see something odd. They see a man walking on the seas. Waves are going up and down. It's dark outside. And they see someone walking on the water. And they are afraid, as I'm sure... Every or any one of us would be afraid as well. well. I mean, how many of you seen someone walking on the water at night in the midst of a storm and winds going about? Well, none of us. Well, they did. And so, they were afraid. We would have been afraid as well. And as they encounter all of this, they have these fears in the midst of the darkness. They have these fears in the midst of the darkness. Now, mindful, as we read John, that he is bringing, you know, many themes to bear across the span of this gospel. All this takes place then at night. And that's, it did happen at night, so we're saying it really did happen that way, but at the same time, John, he is trying to make bigger, broader points as he's presenting these things. And so as the, uh, the, the seas billow, it's dark. And Jesus is not with them. So against, or again, in light of this, the words from chapter 1 come to mind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So it's in the midst of the darkness that they see Jesus, and they are afraid. It's a fear of the unknown. I mean, who is this? I mean, what is this out there on the seas? It can't be that someone is really walking out there on the water. I, not, you know, I think if we're honest, there's much that we are afraid of as well. The unknown's all about us that, you know, leave us wondering and afraid the things that we just don't know, we don't know what's ahead. You know, Larry King, the well-known television host, he was once interviewed by Barbara Walters, and she asked him, you know, what his greatest you know, fear was, and his immediate answer was death. And so she went on then to ask him, so do you believe in God? And he answered her, you know, I'm not sure. I'm, a, I'm an agnostic And so that was Larry King's answer, the great unknown perhaps for many, death, especially in his case, no belief in God, or at least uh, he has some sense that there may be a God, but he doesn't know. So contrast this with a story from D.L. Moody, where he told of a girl who was bedridden and paralyzed on one side and almost blind. Upon hearing the doctor tell her parents, you know, she has, you know, seen her best days. The girl, she says and replies, no doctor, my best days are yet to come when I shall see the king in his beauty. So how radically different are the two accounts? Larry King and this little girl who's trusting in Jesus as her king. Now this does not mean, you know, we as Christians don't or can't or won't fear death. But we look at it and we see it differently because we are not living in view of the possibility of life with Christ. We're not living in view of the chance of life with Christ or at the gamble that we may one day be with Him, but we look upon a sure Christ, a sure life, and a sure eternal abode with our King and all His beauty. And we are living in days of fears gone awry. We live in a world of fears, in a sin-cursed world I mean, the list of fears that people have is long, and honestly, it is odd. (laughs) Not to say that, you know, they don't really fear those things, and we could even step back and say, well, you know, in a sinful, broken world, we really do and we can be afraid of all variety of things. But let me list a few of these. So, for example, we know some of the more well known fears, like arachnophobia. Fear of spiders. A movie was made about that. Not about that fear of spiders, but... Um, and claustrophobia. Fear of confined spaces. Maybe that's you, you. know, But there are also these kind of odd designations as well. Electorophobia. Fear of chickens. And That may be you. And you need this word today. <laughs> so, maybe you have a fear of chickens. Bibliophobia. So fear of books, that one kind of hurts me, because I, I love books. <laughs> but people out there are afraid of books. Uh, cool or phobia. This one is another one that may hit you. Fear of clowns. So I know of people that in my past are f- afraid of clowns. Genuphobia, fear of knees. Pagonophobia, fear of beards. So, I mean... As funny as that is, you know, this sounds awfully like in the midst of a sinful, sin-cursed world of fears gone awry to me. It seems people may be afraid of, well, about anything. And the effects of sin and the curse have so deeply affected us that we can be afraid of all variety of things. And perhaps the more Pressing ones for you and me are what will be of us today. What will be of us tomorrow? What will be of us thereafter? Following COVID nineteen, you know what will happen to Christians in the years to come? As this seeming opposition is seems to be growing around us, you know what of this year's elections? Who will be our next president? What of that family member that is not doing well? What of the son or daughter or brother or sister or mother or father or grandmother or granddaughter who doesn't know Christ? So where does Christ come in to all of this? So what is the connection here? Well, Christ is sufficient for all of our fears. Christ is sufficient for all of our fears. An appropriate question here is, how do these verses then relate to all these things? And even in light of uh, the verses we've seen last week in verses 6, 1 through 15, so how do they relate to the previous ones? Well, we just read of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with food, with bread, and this point about food or bread will be taken up again, and, you know, but it won't be taken up until after this account, um, and it will be taken up until the end of chapter 6. So why in the world then does this account of you know, Jesus walking on water, why is it right here? It seems to come out of nowhere. So he's just have fed the 5,000 with bread, and then it goes right back into bread in verse 22 onward. So this seems out of place. So why is it here? Well, the lesson we saw last week for the disciples is, He was testing them. Well, the lesson for the disciples continues. So, the disciples, he's asking, Will you trust me? Do you believe I can do these things? Now the waters are rough and they are alone. Will they trust Jesus then also? So, you went out, as he said. You did what Jesus said, now will He still be with you in the midst of the waves, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of your fears? And the answer is yes. (laughs) Yes, He will. And let's observe one thing here, and then be exhorted by two other things as well. So first, observe in light of the fact that Christ is sufficient for all of our fears. Observe the seas bow to him. The seas bow to him. Now, some come to this passage and they object. You know, oh, Jesus wasn't actually walking on the sea. He was just walking by the sea. He was on the shore. That's all this was. They saw him on the shore, and the disciples saw him. And that, that, was, that was it. I mean, that's what was going on here. So, let's take that for what it is. Let's try that out. Let's see if that works. So, imagine this for a moment. They see Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and think, as they see him on the shore, Wow! That's a fearful thing. There's Jesus walking on the shore, just like anyone else can or could do on a normal day. That's scary. Right? I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't think so. We can't just simply say they saw him on the shore. I mean, these guys were frightened and so Jesus even as we see here, he was not walking on the sea of uh, beside the sea of Galilee. He was walking on the seas of Galilee. We aren't told how this is this worked. Now, I wonder, as I think about this, but I think we have reason to think that the waters, as Jesus was walking out on the waters, that they were actually bowing at his feet as he was pressing onward among the waters and the waves. And I, I don't... I think that's reasonable, and I think there are a number of reasons to think this. First, it's hard to imagine... Jesus bobbing up and down with the waves, which by itself, you can imagine, that would have been a difficult trek, right? As they're going up and down, how in the world are you going to walk smoothly across the waters? That's one kind of practical reason. And second, we just saw Jesus lifted up as the new Moses with the feeding of the 5,000. We saw him provide bread or like manna, just as God did for the Israelites in the wilderness. So now here he doesn't part the waters as Moses did, but he actually walks on the waters and they fall flat before his feet in obedience. So in the midst of the waves, In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of our fears, remember who Jesus is. Jesus says to his disciples, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, this phrase, it is I, if we were to translate these words literally, they mean, and they are, Ego I I am. I am. Do not be afraid. And as the great I am parted the seas, Jesus is saying that the same one who parted the seas is before you. The same one who answered Moses' question if they ask who sent me, what is his name, what shall I say to them? God, he replied, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you in Exodus 3.14. And now the same one is standing before the disciples and he is standing before us as well. And this will not be the first time nor the last time that we'll see him say I am. We've already seen it once we'll see it again and so he says this again and again with clear implications for us and for you and for all people this is him of whom the psalmist says O Lord God of hosts who is mighty as you are O Lord with your faithfulness all around you you rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise you still them Psalm 148, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps, fire and hell, snow and mists, mist, stormy wind, fulfilling His word. So in the midst of your fears, remember who Jesus is and know you can trust Him. Know you can trust Him. So Jesus says, It is I. And He continues and tells them, Do not be afraid. So He is the light in the darkness. He is who they and we need for bread and for storms and for joy and for life and for breath and for death and for all things. And that's not all. As we come to these verses we perhaps come to verse 21 oddly like wondering what's that about so the verses they don't end with verse 20 the story isn't over yet Jesus he does something here as well which I would say is another miracle we've just seen him feed the 5,000 20,000 we see him walk on the water and now it says that Jesus gets them immediately to their destination and onward to the mission And this is perhaps one thing we we miss as we come to this passage. But we see similar kinds of transportation uh, in Scripture as well as we go there. So outside of the instances that we see where the the Spirit of the Lord moves people from one place to another in the Old Testament. So people like Elijah and Ezekiel. We often, I think, uh, as you consider your own Bibles, you think of this one that comes to mind is Philip. You know, after he finishes ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8.39, it says there, And when they come up, came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. So it shouldn't surprise us then to see Jesus do similar things here as well. In fact, we should trust him in all of his good hand, to lead us along his path, for his glory. Even now, the purposes of God have not been stayed. So fear not. Trust him. Let out your sails in faith and press onward and wholly trust Christ. There's a story told of Hudson Taylor. So the Protestant missionary to China that when he was selling to China there was an urgent knock on his door, his stateroom door and upon opening the door the captain of the ship said Mr. Taylor we have no wind we are drifting toward an island where the people are heathen and I fear that they are cannibals and at this Taylor you know, asks as you would do what, what can I do Why are you coming to me? And the captain answered him, Sir, I understand that you believe in God, and I want you to pray for wind. And so Hudson answers him, All right, captain, I will, but you must set the sail. And at this, the captain, you know, balks at him, What are you talking about, set the sail? Well, that's ridiculous. There's not even the slightest breeze out there. Besides, the sailors will think, I'm crazy if I do that. So eventually they go back and forth and the captain agrees, all right, I'll set the sails in 45 minutes. Later the captain returns and found that Taylor was still praying and he says, you can stop praying now. We've got more wind than we know what to do with. And as we consider faith, trusting Christ, Looking to him in the midst of fears. Oh, how many ways we are being called even now to hear Jesus' words here, it is I, do not be afraid. So let me urge you and let me urge all of us let this phrase here, it is I, do not be afraid, let it be a banner over you and over your life, and over your family, and over our church. Haven, Christ, is our haven. He is your peace, and He is mine. He is our help, and He is our Lord. As the winds blow, may we look up and see our Savior there, and let us hold high up over us this banner And once the storm subsides, as in the storms we're facing right now, the virus, things going on in our country, the elections and so on. Let's not at that point say, well, I don't need that banner anymore. Let's not move this banner from its place. And that will be the temptation as the waters, they begin to be smooth again and they're no longer rough any longer. And there's no, even then, as they smooth and everything else, there is no less of a call for us to trust Christ, but to trust Him still more and more and more. And that will be our temptation. But this same banner is to be over us even then. This is not our home. And we have a greater Savior than anything this world could produce. And that is my plea to you here. For those of you who may be here or tuning in who do not know Christ. That you would trust Christ this morning. That you would take to heart this message. That you may not simply... Hear these things from a distance and see how glorious, how incredible Jesus is and see what wonders he can do. You would not say, I see all those things, I hear all these things, but you would personally take part in Christ yourself. Jesus came for sinners, so if that's you, you are welcome to the Savior. He came and lived The perfect life that you cannot live and you could not live. And he died the death, your death, in your place. He was buried and he rose assuring that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So friends, if that's you, if you don't know him today, come to him. Call upon this Savior. Let's pray together. Father, we pray as we respond to your word right now in our hearts, may you help us, Lord. You know our hearts, you know our fears, you know perhaps some people are putting on a strong front, you know, some people are perhaps putting on too strong of a front or even putting too strong of a presentation that they aren't afraid. We ask, Father, that you would help all of us to realize that this sin-cursed, this broken world, we were not and we are not meant to live our lives as though you are not there, as though we can do this on our own, as though we don't need Christ to say, It is I, do not be afraid. We need Jesus. We need you in every part of our life we do get afraid. And that is not a call for us to say, woe is me, how unspiritual I am. Instead it is, woe is me, how deeply I need God who made me for himself. And so we pray, Father, that you would help all of us to be honest with ourselves and our fears and our weaknesses and our sinfulness and and see the depth of our need for Jesus Christ. We need Him every hour. And we either believe that or we don't. So help us, Father, to take these things and examine ourselves and look to Him and remember who Christ is and trust in Him. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here who doesn't know Christ this morning, that You would help them to see the depth of their need for Jesus. Help them to see right now that they are lost, they're separated from you, that their sin has made a chasm, they can never golf, and they need Christ to bear the weight of their sin and imperfections, and they need Jesus to be the one through whom they would know you once again, that all their sins and trespasses would be forgiven. So may they call upon you this morning. And so we pray, Father, for them. And we pray for us that as we sing this next song, that you would help us to respond to your word. Help us to take it to heart and look to you in all these things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Sing a hymn of invitation in just a second. Um, I just I want to implore that anybody that's that's watching here or, or online, if uh, if you're if you don't consider yourself a Christian this morning, uh, if you're curious what that means, what that life looks like, um, you know, I, I implore you to, to get in touch with us. We have the, again we have the comment card section on the, on our website. Uh, there will probably be an email address uh, on the screen um, after the service. Get in touch with us. Open up a dialogue with us. Let us guide you. Let us walk you through what that, what that means, what that looks like. Uh, it's the most important decision uh, that we make in this life. Um, and for the Christian here or for the Christian watching online, uh, just, man, I, you know, let's, let's lay down our fears this morning. Let's lay down the things that hinder us, uh, that get in the way from, from our relationship with Christ. Uh, let's lay those down. Let's surrender those to the Lord this morning. Uh, let's sing Jesus, Paid It All.
2: I hear the Savior say, This strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow one more verse and when before the throne, I stand in him complete. Jesus died, my soul do save, my lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow.
1: The pastor's going to come up and uh, do announcements and dismiss us. Glad to see everybody this morning.
0: All right. Why? Well, I, I hope you responded to the Lord this morning. And um, a few things to, to mention to you before we depart here. So I'll just echo what Ryan said, that if you are here and you're a visitor, we, we're just so delighted that you came and visited with us today, uh, whether online or here. And uh, so we, we'd love to hear from you. So I won't go back through everything he said, but I just want to encourage you to, to fill out that card, the Connect card. We'd love to hear from you. So a few announcements before we uh, go again. Um, so two important ones that we need to, as a Haven Baptist Church, we need to be mindful of deacon nominations. They are uh, out. So you, Tim Quaif is being nominated to uh, as deacon for this next year. And so uh, we'll be voting on that the first week of August. And so I want to remind you of that. It's on announcements there on Haven's web, website under resources. So you can click on that and see all that there. And then also we'll, 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 we will be having a special business meeting July 29th and so uh, with that, with both of these, uh, we're to be, well that one specifically, we'll be voting on a motion for the sound booth and camera equipment. We've been discussing and talking through um, for a number of months now here and trying to make sure we uh, get all of our ducks in a row and, and uh, make sure we're prepared for that. And so we'll be voting for that, on that, for, on a special business meeting on July 29th. And so I want to Give you two points related to the deacon nominations and the special business meeting. So, we're going to have an electronic option, and that will pretty much cover, I think, most of our members. Uh, There are some who aren't, you know, savvy with electronic devices and things like that. And so, we'll be mailing out paper ballots to those. And so, um, if you are wanting a paper ballot, even if you are savvy with electronic, uh, you know, uh, computers and all these things, um, you're welcome to contact me and I can get that to you. Um, so just want to put that out there in case you wanted to uh, have that. Of course, the electronic will be pretty seamless as well. Um, as well, we'll make sure that everyone, you know, it's guarded and all those things as well. So um, so those are our announcements and I'll just close this this morning then with a benediction. It's actually, uh, Ryan and I were of the same mind this morning. So we'll close with Second uh, Thessalonians uh, verse. Chapter 2, verse 16. So it says there, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Amen.